0: Welcome into a Monday post Pocono edition of NASCAR America Motor Miles. Dale Jarrett, the Hall of Famer, Jeff Burton, the Mayor, Steve Letarte here. Um, listen, guys, lots to talk about. Let's get the fans calling in. One eight six NASCAR NBC. One eight six six NASCAR NBC. Pocono. A sleepy trip to Pocono turned into an exciting weekend of racing, and the topics are truly endless. So much so, no guests today. There's so much to talk about. This could be a five-hour show if we wanted it. So it's going to be a jam-packed hour. Let's start at the top. Number one, Hamlin and Kyle Busch DQ'd the lead story after Sunday. Finished first and second. They're disqualified from the race, handing the win to Chase Elliott, who now has another win, gaining more points. Hamlin, he's on the topic list again. Contact with Ross Chastain sends him into the wall. Was it payback? Was it not? Turn three, treacherous all weekend long in Pocono. That leads us to Kurt Bush, an accident in turn three, sits him out due to concussion symptoms. Um, that puts Ty Gibbs in the car. It it's like a river of conversations here. Ty Gibbs gets in the 45, does a great job after doing a great job on Saturday. Seven topics, one hour, guys. We're going to buzz through as many phone calls as we can. But to get started, you can't talk about penalties with somebody getting disqualified without bringing in the beat reporter. You've got to have the guys that have the facts, and we're going to analyze them. But Dustin Long has joined us. Dustin, walk me through the last 24 hours of what we learned at Pocono and now what we know today.
3: Yes, uh, Steve, what looked to be a strong day for Joe Gibbs Racing turned into a historic day for NASCAR, With the uh, less than two hours after the race when NASCAR officials, who had stated before the season that they were going to stiffen penalties related to the next gen car, found issues with the cars of the 11 of Denny Hamlin and the 18 of Kyle Busch. That led to NASCAR, for the first time in 62 years, disqualifying a winner and that led to Chase Elliott being declared the winner yesterday. Now, Joe Gibbs Racing had the opportunity to file an appeal today, but that deadline passed without Joe Gibbs Racing doing so. So in NASCAR's point of view, this matter is closed, the penalties have been assessed, and they move on to Indianapolis. Now, Joe Gibbs Racing put out a statement uh, this afternoon stating what led to the issue and stated that it was a single piece of clear tape that was positioned Over each of the lower corners of the front fascia, ahead of the left front and right front wheel openings on both cars. Now, the added piece of tape that Joe Gibbs Racing stated was two inches wide, five and a half inches long with a thickness of 0.012 inches. And that's what led us to this situation where, again, for the first time since 1960, NASCAR has disqualified a winner. So yes, big news. First time. um, I have a
0: list of questions I think the fans want to talk about. Let's start with the what. Uh, He just mentioned a piece of tape. I'm going to read something right here. I have access to the rule book and I'm going to read it. And it's as simple as, uh, except in explicitly permitted rules, which this doesn't fall into. It's very simply, you cannot install any additional parts, modifications to existing parts to affect the aerodynamic properties of the vehicle. In my opinion, DJ, as silly as it may sound, it's only a piece of tape. But if you're not allowed to do anything, a piece of tape is something, especially underneath the vinyl. I don't have a real issue whether it was a big modification or a small modification. Any change was too much for me.
1: Yeah, I mean, as you point out, teams aren't going to do something uh, to make their car worse. So yeah. it obviously was going to be an advantage some way, shape, or form, no matter how small it is. <laughs> um, I think that when you look at it, you, you start talking about, Uh, Does the penalty fit the the crime here? Um, You know, with it not happening in 62 years, you and I have been disqualified in another series before, (laughs) but we won't get into all of that. But, you know, this is, I mean, sending a message, maybe yes. I think the message had been sent before. But as we know, this is a competition, and teams are always willing to do a little bit. This seems, if you think about it in the scope of things, of, you know, penalties and things that we've seen – This seems like that for what they did, it would would be a minor infraction, uh, but uh, they did finish first and second in the race. So, Jeff, I'm going to lead it to
0: you because I think DJ's point is fair. If you look at the 62 years of NASCAR, this infraction would be a minor infraction. But if I look at the last five or six months of NASCAR and the next-gen vehicle and how it is created and how there are these single-source parts, in my mind, 62 years is not a blip on the radar. When I zoom into this season, it's a major blip on the radar and an intersection for NASCAR, and that's why the penalty was what it was.
4: Well, I think we got to remember how the next-gen car got originated. It seems to be that everybody thinks NASCAR built this car and then presented it to the teams. The concept of this car was with the teams, and that concept being, hey, you buy this nose, you buy this part, and everybody can buy the same. So if you alter that part, you alter that piece, then that concept no longer works. So for the integrity of the next-gen project, you have to police it in a very strict manner. And unfortunately for the teams, it doesn't matter why something was changed. It doesn't matter if it helped the car. It doesn't matter if it hurt the car. It doesn't matter. It matter is the part was changed, and clearly you can't do it. And so, so the only way to, to maintain the integrity is to police it at this level because... If not, if you give an inch, they'll take a mile. And so, unfortunately, it is a large penalty for a minimal gain, but I don't even think that's the point. The point is you can't change can't it to do it. All right, so we're going to get through a whole
0: lot of different things. I even want to get into the inspection process with Dustin, but we have our first caller. That's what drives us so. So, Jay, you're on Motor Mouse.
3: Hey, guys. So, uh, like Jeff was saying, we know that NASCAR is not messing around with these parts penalties this, this year, and uh, we're starting to see where teams are... You know, they're starting to become more creative, as Dale Jr. would say.
0: Well, I think we lost Jay right there. So I'm going to move right forward. Uh, Real quick to his point, more teams being creative. I do want to make a little footnote that earlier in the weekend, uh, Petty GMS also had an infraction with their car. So four cars out of the 36 there had infractions. So to what I think Jay was alluding to, we are starting to see this creep up. Let's talk inspection, Dustin. Questions are going to say, hey... Do, who do they inspect at the racetrack? What's the priority? And why can't things like this be verified and checked before the race even starts?
3: Yeah, good question, See, Let me just uh, st- say one thing about Petty GMS is I talk with them this afternoon, late this afternoon, and they said they will not appeal their penalties, so they're going to accept their penalties and move on. And in terms of inspection policy, uh, Scott Miller was on Sirius XM NASCAR radio this afternoon and explained the procedure and said basically – you know, look, they take the top two cars and a random to some some weekends and those get the full teardowns and they go over each each piece of, the, of those cars that they do at the, at the track. And then third on back, uh, of the other cars they inspect, they go through some some form of inspection, but not as in-depth detail. Now, one question that was asked is like, look. You know, once you realize that the first and second place cars had been, you know, we're going to have an issue and be disqualified. What about the third place car, which was Chase Elliott? And in addressing that, Scott Miller said, look, I I think at that point, his car was already in the on the on the holler, and they might have been gone from the premises. And he says, look, the nine car passed its level of inspection that we give for that car. So we were done with them, released to the team. They put the car away and started heading home. So, uh, you know, Scott said, look, if we're going to inspect to the nth degree of all the cars that we do first and second, he says we're going to be there at the track till you know Tuesday or Wednesday. And again, that's part of the reason why NASCAR came out in 2019 with this policy of saying they're going to disqualify winners because everybody was getting sick and tired of hearing about penalty reports or waiting until Wednesday, Tuesday or Wednesday of each week of what was going to happen to the winner or runner up or somebody else like that. This was done within two hours after the race, and while certainly people left the, the track thinking they'd seen a winner, I think a lot of people were able to find out and know that by that evening that things had changed as opposed to having to wait two, three days for the announcement. Great update, Dustin. Two parts to this. First, let's unpack the
0: variety of the inspection for the top five. DJ, I have no problem with this. I've been the winner. I've been fifth. Here's what happens. The winner goes to victory lane. As you sulk in the garage area, you get your inspection done and put your car on the truck. Not because you're trying to hide something, but you're waiting on the winner to get get done with his process. It doesn't bother me um, that the nine and whoever else, fourth or fifth, and the random of Stenhouse maybe didn't have the exact same uh, inspection. For me, um, I'm okay with it. It's been like that for years. It doesn't bother me. But how about you two as drivers? Are you concerned that it's
4: not the same for all five cars? Well, it doesn't bother me because it's impractical. There is there is pre pre inspection, pre race inspection, but there's also uh, the key to all that is the random, and you don't know when you're going to be the yeah. random. And and there's been multiple times <laughs> that they've had more than one random. Like they get in there, they they hear there's things yeah. going on in the garage. I mean, they have they,
0: the right to inspect. It. They can pull off all, all 36 yeah, in if they don't yeah. like what they're seeing. Yeah,
4: <laughs> and they so there's been times they've done multiple randoms. Yeah. So uh, if you knew you weren't going to be teched, that would be a problem because then we know what would happen, but that's not the case. You never know when you are going to be teched.
1: Yeah, I, I may have a little different opinion. I think that as we look at this and, and because of how things are now, and, and this just kind of opens that up more that, so the nine went through and he got his process. I, I think though, as they started their process and found whether it was the 11 or the 18 that they found first and then the I would have that nine wait until at least the third place. I don't think we're probably getting past that. Yeah. But I think the third place car needs to be held there. Um, and not saying that, that he had anything, but just my opinion yeah, that so we should go back to there. So we can
0: learn from this and yeah. say, hey, do your inspection. but yeah. Just don't put it on the truck. Yeah. Hey, man, don't be in a hurry to leave. You finish third. Just let it sit right there and let's go to the inspection. I'd be okay with that. That's a small change. It doesn't bother
4: me. I, I, I also think that anything NASCAR could do to tighten up, and I know it's difficult, to tighten up pre-race inspection, right? Well, so you so, don't have yeah. this. That's a very complicated thing, but that is a conversation as well.
0: So, so I wanna move into pre-race inspection because I think the fan at home wants to know why we have to know there's a different winner two hours after the race. Now, first I wanna defend NASCAR because everyone makes this an auto racing thing. A year later, we found out who won the Kentucky Derby. Yeah. Uh, it's Tour de France and cycling, we've had changes of correction of man. You know, this is, this, anytime there's competition, this is an issue for every sanctioning body globally in every sport. I mean, this is a major, major situation. So for the fan to understand, in pre-race, Dustin, in my opinion, the car at that point is checked for two main things. Safety, not illegal or legal. We want to just double-check the teams because we owe it to the drivers to make sure their air is, is correct. And also items that I consider adjustable, weights, measurements tire locations, things that they want to make sure everybody starts the race the same, because those could all be knocked out of tolerance comfortably during the event. And they want to be able to say, we knew everyone started the same. That's how I see pre-race inspection.
3: Exactly. And NASCAR stated that this was uh, an infraction that they would not find in pre-race inspection because you'd have to remove part of the, of the car's wrap. And, and let's be honest. You know, No team is going to want the wrap to be removed of its car before the start of the race. And that being said, if, it, if it's done, then the team's got to put it back on. So now you've got to have an official looking over each team as they do it to make sure that they don't do something that leads to another infraction. So it's just not realistic in, in, in some cases to inspect everything before a race. And so that's why there is more that is done after the race. I will say one other thing about post-race inspection, as we get to the playoffs, you know, NASCAR will not just take the top five. They'll run, you know, like in the first round, all 16 cars through at least portions of the inspection process to make sure there's not issues there with the, the OSS, heights, weights and things like that. So, you know, after the race, after a playoff race in the first round, the inspection line in the garage you've got, you know, is, is really long because half the cars practically are in line for that, while the other other half are being loaded up onto trucks and, and heading off to the next race.
0: All right, I don't want to uh, shelf this conversation about inspection. We're going to come back to it. But 1-844-NASCAR-NBC. Brian, you're on Motor Mouse.
2: Uh, yes, sir. Yeah, I was just kind of, uh, I know y'all are kind of already talking about it, but I just feel like the third through fifth should be inspected the same amount as the first and second place. I was just wondering what y'all's thoughts are about that.
0: Well, thanks for your call, Brian. And so, DJ, I think the fans are much like you. Like, It's okay how we used to do it, and I can defend it if that's how I did it this time. But let's go ahead. If, if we think that we can make it a better system, we can change it.
1: Yeah, and, and they basically are to a point that I, I guess I don't know what – I guess I would want to know what made NASCAR go to this point on the, the first two cars, at, at least the first car. Again, I don't know if Denny's right. or the 18 was found first, but – Um, What made them go to that point? um, And and then I think up to to taking the wrap off of of those and and finding this, um, that the the cars probably were inspected pretty much the same. Uh, I know the winter goes through a good bit more uh, in in a general sense uh, with that. But, uh, again, holding those at least third place, if not fourth place cars there for for later on. Um, But, you know, there's so many things, and, and as you just pointed out, things kind of talk, people start talking about things and and NASCAR, you know, they don't go say, Hey, we're going to do this. Uh, They bring it on and inspect that.
0: So I talked to some crew chiefs and they said that there are certain things that are very consistent in the top five, but then certain there's a, Oh, you want to check that? We didn't know you were going to check that. And that's good. That variety, uh, you know, keeps them on. So I think it comes down to this. This is the, this is a question I want answered. I have an opinion, but I'm gonna start with you guys. There's hundreds, if not thousands of parts on this car that are provided by suppliers that the teams are to buy, install, and race. These cars have the same parts. These cars are not the same. Some are fast, some are slow. They're not all assembled the same. I think that is a major mistake when people look at these cars. Who owns the responsibility to be within the rule book when the nose is considered altered, the gearbox is next, the upright is next? Should NASCAR have found all these things or do you feel it's the team's responsibility to present a car to the rule book that they understand.
4: Well, I think it's 100% on the team. It's NASCAR's job to, to find it. And and therefore, it's, it's it's you know, the teams, when they do something wrong, they're going to give you penalized. I, I don't, you know, there's a lot of talk about before the race, after the race, whatever. If they catch them, they catch them. And, and yeah, again, I just don't think we can compare today's tech to yesterday's tech. This new car has changed the game, and you cannot have a series that was a, a car that was built on this premise without inspecting every piece and then holding everybody to a high standard. So yes, it's hundred percent on the teams and it is NASCAR's job to catch them but now. If NASCAR doesn't do their job the way they need to do it, there'll be a lot of cheating going on. So NASCAR's got to do it and got to do it at a high level. Well, so the crew chief over here,
0: DJ, I have to agree. I think it's up to the teams. And I would like to add that I also believe that a win is more valuable than it's ever been. And and that is not to discount any wins in the past, but the system, the points, the playoffs, the buckets that get filled up, even uh, knowing how sponsorships work now and manufacturers work, the win is the win. And those trophies are way different than seconds. So... I think that the carrot's bigger and that's why we're seeing this stuff but i agree team any disagreement over there you feel
1: it's the team's responsibility fully fully on the teams you know it's always been that and and, you know nascar is there to enforce this uh Mm -hmm. and and find things so but it's up to the teams to make sure that they are doing things right and you know i think that this has been a business that's been looked at through so many years that you're trying to just find any little advantage that you possibly can that changed as you pointed out with this car and and the parts and pieces uh that that has changed and and i think everybody realized if they didn't realize it before right. they damn sure realize
0: it now so what hasn't changed for me is not that i'm i am absolutely if i'm still a crew chief looking for every advantage but i believe now i know where i have to look and it is you know if i have to have this pen but i can mount it any way i so choose we need to be smarter But I can't change the pen. Well, you know, if you broke, if you bend it, it's gonna be. You can't bend it. Like you're gonna have to start disseminating that through your people that have worked on the old cars. Be like, don't even think about it. Don't even test if it's better. We don't want to know if it's better. You know, it's a development process that has to change. But. Hey, listen, for everyone's unfortunate circumstance, it's a benefit for someone else. So, Dustin, I'm going to bring you in one more time, man. I want to appreciate that beat reporting you've been on and following all day long, all the press releases. We appreciate your input helping us walk through this situation with Gibbs.
3: Yeah, no problem. It's just uh, been a crazy day. It was just really kind of interesting with Chase Elliott when we were talking to him this morning before we knew that Joe Gibbs Racing had not filed for the deadline. And Chase Elliott's like, well, I, I you know, I'm not really going to celebrate somebody's misfortune because, heck, it, this could change later in the week. And obviously, as it turned out it didn't, it won't, and Chase Elliott will be the winner. But again, you know, NASCAR doing something that hasn't done in, since 1960, and as DJ said, maybe it's time to uh, hold out the, the third place car after race for further inspection. With NASCAR changing the game a bit, that's maybe something they'll make an adjustment to uh, moving on down the road. All right. Well, Dustin, you're great at beat reporting, and you're not very good at promoting yourself. Because if you want to read all
0: of Dustin's work, you can find it (laughs) on NBCSports.com. Dustin, thanks again. Appreciate you bringing the the facts for us to talk about uh, and walk us through this situation. Have a good night. Yeah, thanks, man. Thanks a lot, guys. Thank you, Dustin.
4: Hey, one more thing I want to add, just so the fans understand. There's another step in this inspection process that happens when the cars go back to the R&D center. So you take a random, right? You you take cars back to the R&D center, and those cars get taken completely apart. I mean, completely apart, so that they can look those and, hundreds uh, apart we just discussed. all yeah. that, that more of them get checked. Correct. So Ricky Sinhaus Jr. He was the random. That car goes back to the twentieth place. Center. Fin- well, moved up eighteenth place finisher. And that thing gets completely torn apart. They come back and pick it up in baskets, and yep. and that's another part of the process that I want fans to understand. Great ad. Because uh, you can, you know, Brad Keselowski. They got penalized early in the year with a with an R and D center penalty because yeah. of what was found there. So. There's another tier to this uh, that I think is important, too, because you can, you've can got to have that ability to be able to step away from the track, have more tools, more pieces, and really examine them at the R&D Center in a much deeper detail. So listen, we're going to
0: talk about the race winner because I want everybody to understand this penalty wasn't just points and money. The rundown changed. That's what makes this such a historic day, is yeah. normally when you, are, you have an infraction, we just take away from you. We don't redistribute. You look at what happened at Pocono— In the history of NASCAR, the uh, 11 and the 18, they finished last and next to last because Chase Elliott was the official winner of the race. That is the point of we haven't seen this in the modern era. So it was a big day. But we're going to talk about Chase Elliott and what that win. While it might have felt awkward, the points are the points, and the check I'm sure will still cash. We're going to see the uptick for the nine. It's been an impressive five-week run.
4: any driver wants to win that way, uh, I, I certainly
3: don't. You know, we got beat uh, on track, at least, and, and from a balanced perspective with our car, I feel like we could have been better. I'm not gonna celebrate somebody's misfortune or, or whatever. You know, I crossed the I crossed the line third, you know, so it's kind of
4: how I'm looking at it. I think we only struggled a little bit um, at times in the race, just track position-based. All in all, we had to pass a lot of cars today, um, and we did that well on, on the racetrack and on pit road, so. Great, te- great day for our team.
2: Right then at the end, I, w- I was just a little bit too tight. And uh, when you have a, fa- a scar like that, it's not easy, you know, just to start... Making big adjustments to the car, but I was just a little bit too tight. I have to do a good job relating to them, the communication, what the car is doing, the weather changed so much. They were telling me on the radio, man, that you guys are way faster than the beginning of the race, but obviously I didn't believe it. I was like,
4: no, man, I'm too tight. You know, we had to stay out on old tires there to get track position, but
1: we're able to, you know, start restarting the high teens and a couple good restarts went our way. But I always said, you can't run 25th, you know, today and then show up next week and think you're gonna win. You gotta be able to execute on pit road, restarts, all those things matter and all this matters. So you build that confidence, you build that momentum, you take that to the road course where we run a little bit better than average and hopefully it pays off. It's a good
4: weekend and the fact we did have good speed, it's been a minute since we've had really that kind of speed and I was happy with that. Frustrating that, uh, you know, we come home 11th, right? You wanna come home better than that with a car like that. It's one of those things, you get loose off three and think you can save it and can't and, and uh, just, I just couldn't save it, so. Finally got the car decent and then we were running, you know, top five there and, and uh, had a flat tire and had to come in and then just tried too hard and, and stepped away from me. So I think that's something that's been owed to me for a few months now, so uh, I've, I've been owed that and probably some more for a few months now, so um, yeah. Is the score settled? Yeah, I mean, honestly, I thought Denny was pretty nice about it personally. I mean, he he did run him up the track a little bit, but he still left him some room there there on exit after it was all said and done. So I thought, all things considered, he was pretty kind about about what went on
1: there.
2: I mean, would you would you want me to do? What Would you expect me to do? We got positioned on him, and uh,
1: he just ran out of racetrack. We're we're gonna just keep racing hard and, until uh, we get the respect uh, back from these guys. And you know, it's not just that. You, you know, we've been wrecked uh, four times twice while leading in the last 10 months, and I just, uh, I'm at the end of it.
4: All right, so we said this call, this show is about all the callers. Let's get right to it. Kyle.
3: Yes, sir. Uh, I'm curious for all three of your opinions, but Jeff, this is mostly directed to you. Um, I was at the race live yesterday in Pocono. Didn't get a great view of it, but the uh, incident there was Hamlin and Chastain. I've watched it back a few times today. Personally, Jeff, I'm with you for apparently what you said on the broadcast, where I don't think Denny did too much, but I saw there was quite a bit of backlash on Twitter. I was just kind of curious, have you gone back and forth on that, or are you standing your ground that that's probably not the end of it because you really didn't do too much there. You just
4: cut him off a little bit. Well, what I said was I, I, I thought it should be the end of it. That's what I said because, I you know, to me, <laughs> uh, what are you going to do? I mean, you, you know, you, you moved a guy out of the lane. He wrecked. You won the race. Like to me, I I, mean, I think it, it, it's just better for Denny Hamlin to move on. I agree with. I do agree with with uh, what what Chase Elliott said. I thought it was done in a kind way, so to speak. He didn't just go in there wrecking wrecking He put him in a position either lift or yeah, hit the wall. And right. and Ross stayed in it and ended up ended up wrecking. So I didn't. I uh, yeah. The post race in our post race,
1: I said I thought it should be over. I think they should move on. I agree. I think that too. And if you look at the two cases to where. Ross got into the back of Denny. Denny didn't have any choice or say so in the matter of being able to lift or get out of the way in in those cases. Here, Ross had a choice. He could have lifted, probably lost five, six, seven spots, uh, and and not hit the wall. He chose to try to stay in it as long as he could, and then he just runs out of grip. And you know, I, if you're going to teach someone how to pay someone back without using the front of your car and just wrecking them completely. Denny Hamlin shows how you do that. The the real unfortunate side of this, to me, is that you know Kevin Harvick got caught up in it. That that's the unfortunate side. But you know what I saw Denny do yesterday? That that's about as uh, big a payback as you could do without actually just running over someone.
0: Sometimes you can do a lot of damage with a scalpel. Doesn't always take a hammer.
1: <laughs> and that was, that was yeah. very surgical right there. That's a very, very talented man.
0: They knew how much grip there was for that last six or eight feet to the right of that car. It was
4: well done. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> how about you, Chandler? Hey, guys. And sorry I haven't
2: been in on here for quite a while. Um, but, you know, I know we're talking a lot about, you know, Hamlin and Cobblers being disqualified, and i got to be honest with you, when I saw that, that kind of reminded me when Kyle was disqualified in the Xfinity Series in Texas, and they gave that win to Austin Sendrick. Um But I do want to talk about, you know, Denny Hamlin and Ross Chastain, you know. Since what happened in Pocono, you know, and this has
4: been going on for quite some time, and Ross has admitted what, what he did, you know, he made a mistake in the past couple of races, but Denny still... I feel like it hasn't gone over what happened in Gateway and Atlanta. So, could this be
3: the biggest rivalry we have? Could this be the biggest rivalry we have in NASCAR since Earnhardt versus Gordy?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. It, it, to be quite honest, yeah, it's shaping up that way because these two drivers the thing about it is for us, you know, sometimes we try to manufacture a rivalry because we know that's what we want is that great competition that it that it provides that maybe two drivers just don't get along, but these two drivers find themselves racing around each other at the front of the pack. It's not like this happened You know, back in 10th, 12th, 15th, this happened for the lead of the race late in the race. I mean, you know, getting that restart done and and getting the lead there was important. So, yeah, I think this is a real rivalry, and I don't see it going away because you you have Denny that's going to be fast, and you have Ross that's just going to drive the wheels off this thing all the time and take whatever comes with it. I've said for quite a few weeks now, I want to see what happens and what Ross says and how he handles it when this comes back the other way and I saw what Ross did yesterday. I, I was very pleased with the way that he handled that and understood it. And it uh, seems that that's, that doesn't mean Ross is going to change the way that he races. And I like that idea.
0: Yeah, I mean, what we have to figure out is, is this a retaliation or just how he's always going to race now at the front? Has yeah. he had enough? He's been pushed around. Um, I don't think he would do that to Kevin Harvick because I don't think Kevin Harvick has given him a reason to do it. Yeah. Uh, but back to rivalry, is real simple. When you see two guys beating Bang and Anger mid-pack, Uh, You can like it, you can hate it, but there's a few that think it's a little childish. You're mid-pack. What what are we even doing back here? But when you watch two guys race for the trophy, that's rivalry. That was the Earnhardt Gordon. What made these historic rivalries so good is they weren't back here mid-pack. Those rivalries were up front for trophies, and that's where this rivalry has seemed to find itself.
4: Well, you know, to me, rivals are guys that can, can beat each other at any given time. Duke, Carolina, yeah. uh, Boston—well, not necessarily this weekend with Boston and the Yankees, but but you know, like that's what rivalries are made yeah. of. So yeah. Ross has got to be a real rivalry. Ross has got to be able to do this mm-hmm. for five, six, seven years, yeah. right, and, yeah. and really build that that serious rivalry. Um, listen, I—what I, about so as we as we look further into this race, I thought one thing that was amazing to me was you know how many people had issues in turn three i mean I, I was shocked at at the issues in turn three all weekend long that was uh i've never seen turn three like that i remember you wrecking there and qualifying one time mm-hmm. uh, but typically we see a lot of problems over the tunnel turn into the exit of one
1: but three was just was just crazy to me yeah my wreck was driver error and qualifying but uh, these guys that you can just see is they tried to get more speed out of these cars and the thing that you needed to do uh, we just saw it time after time i mean and you know i I think you you take this car and the things you have to do to create speed and and jeff you talk about this all the time is how hard you have to drive this car to make that speed and this one of of kirk i mean that's a hard hit uh in in qualifying so um but that that's always been a tough corner but it sure showed just how difficult this weekend it really is
0: you know we talk about that this car has quick steering, uh, doesn't have a lot of aerodynamic safety. What mm-hmm. I mean is it makes a lot of downforce going straight, but as you turn sideways, everything that should be helping you is going away very quickly. Um, so now you go to one of the longest flat corners in NASCAR. Now I know you know turns one or two shorter or yeah. longer, but they're banked. You yeah. have some vertical load. This is from time off the throttle to time wheel being straight, one of the longest corners in NASCAR that's flat. Um, and, you know, me, I always look ahead. If I'm going to Walkins Glen, I'm now wanting to know how the carousel's going to feel. Mm. Or I'm starting to look at other corners, long, sweeping, flat corners. Um, even, you know, this week at Indianapolis. Like, you know, is this something we're going to continue? Because I didn't see it being turned three this weekend. I was like, all right, maybe downshifting into one, but the, the tunnel's going to be the issue. It always is. It's so fast. I really was surprised at turn three, and that being the trouble spot.
4: Yeah, and unfortunately, uh, Kurt Busch, you know, he was in practice, in practice he was very fast, went to make a Q run, uh, ended up with a really big wreck, uh, and unfortunately, Kurt Busch had to sit the race out. Um, you know, he said that he, you know, he didn't like the decision, but he supported the decision. Uh, the doctors made the decision, took that out of his hands. We see right here, car comes around. Backs in really hard, then swings around and hits the front. Uh, Concussive-like symptoms. DJ, you and I grew up in a different time. Doctors weren't making this decision for you. Uh, You pretty much were making it yourself. I'm a fan of this. If you've got the right people, and I think they do have the right people, I'm really curious what you think about it.
1: Yeah, I I think the protocols now are so much better, so much faster. Safer, and it's not only better for the the particular driver uh, in that case that it's better for, but it's better for everybody else. I you know I, I ran a race here in Charlotte in two thousand and one after my worst concussion of you know, not having a memory of five days of being at Kansas. Wow. And I turned around and raced the next week. And all I had to do was have my doctor in Hickory, North Carolina, call NASCAR at that time and say, yeah, he's okay. And my doctor did that by me telling him that I was okay to race. Right. And so I like what we have now. Uh, yeah, it's unfortunate. I hate it for Kirk. I hate that these drivers are being put in that position uh, with that. But, it's it, again, it's better not only for that competitor but for the rest of the competitors.
0: So, so this is a, a big circle here, but we talked about the penalties to Denny Hamlin and how much a win means. The other part of this system we don't talk about as much is I believe it allows all this to work as well because you can, if you missed a race in the old system trying to win yeah, a championship, too. you were probably all done. Kurt Busch has won a race. Now, that's a guarantee. He could lose points. We don't even know if he's going to come back to in India. My point is, I think everything works well together, right? Mm-hmm. We're going to have a medical staff that allows drivers to, to be supported to get these decisions. I will say, we talk a lot about the new car when it comes to rules that, and I'm confident there are hundreds of conversations going about continuous improvement on the new car and I think that that's going to be a real conversation from here. Should this injury be expected? What is this compared to other accidents? G-load. NASCAR has so much information that the number one priority should be Kurt Busch's health and getting him back whatever he needs to be healthy. And the number two priority should be what have we learned from this medical event? to Mm -hmm. try to prevent more medical events. We've always done that in NASCAR. From the day Richard Petty tumbled at Darlington with his arm out the window and somebody said, we're going to put a window net in, Mm -hmm. to this. So this is a continued, the man to my left has said this, you never accomplish safety. It's it's an endless goal. You continue to chase it. Uh, And I think this is an unfortunate situation for Kurt Busch. But I think the whole industry is willing to say, all right, you know, an issue. doesn't really matter what it costs. It yeah. doesn't really matter if we got to buy new parts or change new parts or we're all on board. How can we make it safer? Because the counter is we're asking these drivers, Jeff, how about those restarts for wide threat? Like we're yeah. putting drivers in positions where they can't be worried about how much it's going to hurt. They, yeah. they, they and they never do. They do crazy things.
4: Well, I feel really good about the commitment NASCAR has and in, in making things safer and a commitment to look at all the information to say, okay, here's where we are now. How do we take the next step? Yeah. That wasn't the case 30 years ago, but yeah. today. It is unbelievable the amount of committed people they have, very dedicated, care about the drivers, wanted to be safe, uh, and, if, and they will be working to make improvements. Uh, we are going to come back to you in just a little bit. Keep, keep those calls coming. And unfortunately, when Kurt Bush went out, that created an opportunity, and Ty Gibbs got his first shot in a cup car.
2: Has the debate been settled on the racetrack between
1: Joe Gibbs Racing and Junior Motorsports? It's shaping up to be a spectacular last lap.
3: Ty Gibbs on the inside, Gregson on the outside. Who will give? Gregson! On the other side, gets back in front of Ty Gibbs. What a move through turn two. It's Noah Gregson winning at Pocono. Way to go, Noah. So proud of you, buddy. We get it, man. Thank you, pit crew. Great job. Man, I'm I'm exhausted. Working my ass off out there to keep the 54 back. Man, I'm worn out.
0: exciting Saturday in Pocono and for you guys that didn't see it you need to go see Noah's celebration because he took celebrating (laughs) a win to a new level we don't even that would be its whole show uh, in itself but I really I think the point of that is is first of all congratulations to Noah Gregson a lot of spotlight on that young man since his mistake at road america that he owned up to and he's kind of moving forward but the other driver who also is trying i think to find a new identity is uh, on his aggression level is ty gibbs and there was more than enough opportunity to take that little lo- looseness into turn two and collect noah and move on ty had a big week he was also in the cup car but we have a caller to discuss ty gibbs james you're on Motormouse.
2: Hey, guys. Um, I wanted to ask, um, after Ty Gibbs' performance in the Cup race on Sunday as well as the Xfinity race on Saturday, uh, what do you guys see uh, with Ty if he were able to move up to the Cup series uh, the following season?
0: James, great question. Real quick for the fans, I'm, I'm sure everyone watching knows, but make sure everyone gets it, right? Second on Saturday, replaced Kurt Busch, started in the back, Basically, the first three quarters of the race, I think, did what they asked. They had the reins pulled back. Didn't even ask him to go. When they said it was time to go, they left him on the racetrack. He drove up inside the top 20. And I was impressed. DJ, your impressions of the young man on Sunday and what that means moving forward.
1: Okay, before I get to Sunday, I'm going to say that Saturday, there was no doubt in my mind, there was only about a 2% chance that I thought those cars were going to finish first and second, and that was some of the best driving and racing I've seen in a long time at a very difficult racetrack. So, to Noah and to Ty, that was quite the show. I thought Josh Berry was sitting in a perfect spot. Yeah. You know, to back a ways and to watch this happen. So, Four seconds that, back, <laughs> yes, yes. dinner, and, and so, my opinion, he did... Ty did an outstanding job yesterday. Be thrown in this car uh, without having uh, raced this car before—it's uh, just amazing. We've heard all the drivers, the drivers that have so much more experience, talk about the difficulty in driving this car at a difficult racetrack. I thought he did an amazing job. My my thoughts about him moving forward. Didn't change yesterday. I still have the same thoughts. This young man needs to be in one of these cup cars immediately. You're not, he's not going to learn anything else. He already knows how to win in Xfinity, so he knows how to win races. The only thing he doesn't know is how to get the most out of these cars. Now, the, the longer you keep him out of that, just a longer process. He can start winning races sooner. That's my opinion. NASCAR, you're on NASCAR American Motor Miles.
2: Hey, guys, man, I'm getting pumped. Next week, Michigan, I'll be in the infield. Hopefully I get to see you fellas. <laughs> but uh, um, this kind of, the, what, even though there was two Gibbs cars that got dequeued, I'm curious on your guys' opinion on how much yesterday would happen with the 18. What I don't know, if it, it's definitely not good. But could it add a little bit more of an element to the negotiations or what's going on? with the 18 and JJR, if any at all.
0: All right, thanks, Carl. So I think there's two parts to this. I don't think the disqualification adds anything to what's going on with the 18 of Kyle Busch. But getting outrun by Danny Hamlin may or may not. He didn't win that race with one of the better cars. Ty Gibbs did run pretty well, to your point, DJ. I checked in with Ty's management team. He didn't even get TRD simulator time. I think we talked about sim time. It was iRacing. It was 40 laps on iRacing. Jeff, your son is learning this new car. You're around drivers all the time in this new car. How impressive is it that Ty Gibbs, I don't even say talent because I don't think I question that, it was his maturity that impressed me the most, that he was willing
4: to be held back and just go through the process of a Sunday in the Cup Series. So I, I think that's exactly right. I agree with you 100%. He, he did a nice job of doing exactly what the goal was. The goal yeah. was to run some laps, stay in the lead lap, uh, hopefully get something good happen. They did. They got a restart with the, the wreck with Denny Hamlin or Ross Chastain. He was in the right line, picked up like seven or eight spots. But then never gave them back. Like that's that's what you expect from a rookie. You expect, okay, we're going to give you a, a, a talented rookie. We're going to give you some track position and then find a way to keep it. He did all those things. So I agree with I agree with what you're saying. He needs to learn how to be a cup driver. He knows how to be an Xfinity driver. He needs to learn how to be a cup driver and drive these cars. Uh, yeah, I mean he's he's impressed me from day one. The day that he went yeah. to went to Daytona on the road course and won that race, I'm like. That guy's for real. Yeah. There's yeah. no there's no getting around it. Yeah. So so let's move the conversation forward a little bit when we look at Kyle Bush,
0: right? So yep. 60 wins, two time champ. I think everybody knows what you're losing behind the wheel if you can't re-sign Kyle Bush. There's no mm-hmm. doubt. No one up here is gonna say the man can't drive. The question is there's a there's a little bit of fog around the business model. Eminem Mars is out. Can they sell him? Can they raise the capital to bring him back? So the simple question is DJ, if they can't get the business correct. Yep. Would you lose sleep over having to let Kyle Bush know, knowing he's probably going to go win wherever he goes, but moving Ty Gibbs into that seat?
1: Yeah, okay, so let me say one thing first. So this is going to—everybody's saying Denny Hamlin cheated and got disqualified, and Kyle Busch—neither one of them knew anything about what was done there. They drove their race cars the way they were, and, you know, that's what you do as a driver. You don't know these things. So leave them out. If you're going to say it, the team took this— I'm going to say, I'm going to disagree a little bit with what you said there a while ago. I think is they're trying to sell sponsorship. When you're talking to companies that are willing to spend $15, $20 million to get on the side of a race car and your organization with Kyle Busch as the driver and your team gets disqualified from a race, okay. I, I, I think that's a point that they're having a hard enough time before that happened uh, to, to sell sponsorship there in today's world. I, I, I don't think that's a good thing. Couldn't have been... Could not have been worse timing. Uh, you know, this isn't something that we need to say they go do all the time. Have they always pushed the envelope? Absolutely. Unfortunately, it, they got caught at at this time. So I hope that it doesn't do that. I would not want, I know they are doing everything between Toyota, Joe Gibbs Racing, and all the marketing companies. They've even brought in other people trying to sell sponsorship to keep him. They do not want to race against Kyle Busch somewhere else because they know the talent that they have there. He's one of the top drivers to ever come through uh, the, the sport of NASCAR racing and in the Cup Series, future Hall of Famer. You don't want to let him go, but I think this could hurt.
4: There's already friction in the relationship. If not, the deal would be done. Yeah, because whether it's business or not, it's still friction, mm-hmm. right? If you can't pay me, and I think you should, or whatever's going on, that's still friction. Even if we get along, and then you add this, then you add this, and I cannot get out of my head him at New Hampshire saying on the radio, "Hey." Make note we're the slowest Gibbs car here. Yep. And then you get beat by a teammate and then you get DQ'd. There is already tension and this does nothing to help it. So, absolutely nothing. So that's fascinating though, because so right, so the crew chief in me, right? Yep. I, I've never been a team owner, never been
0: the rep out there trying to sell myself. I see the DQ as just one more penalty. But if I'm hearing you correctly, I want to go back to this because this is fascinating to me. Your point is that it's not points and penalty, and whatever. It's it's the image, the perhaps tarnished image. You know, does a company in today's world want to align with someone who has been disqualified? Forget penalties, forget fines, disqualified. You think
1: that term right there makes this penalty larger than points in money. I, it one hundred percent to me. I, I think that's why this is the biggest penalty that, that they could put down on someone. Whenever you know, you look at his teammate Danny Hamlin, he got the trophy and all of that taken away, uh, and, and a win. He was gonna be the winningest driver ever at Pocono. But when you're trying to sell a company on the fact that, hey, you know, we're a reputable business, we do things right, we do everything the right way, and then you have a DQ beside uh, your name uh, at a race that you ran second in. Um, you know, I think they, in one sense, they appreciate the effort, but in companies they're probably trying to sell to, they're out here. These companies are ones that are dealing with the public, and, and you know, they can't take that chance.
4: We, so so we, are, we know the sport inside and out. And if you're watching this show, you're a, you're a major race fan. There's a lot of people that know a little bit about the sport. And if there's been a lot of conversations about fines, a lot of conversations about penalties, a lot of conversations about all sorts of things. This is the first time there's been a conversation about a DNQ. We yep. took the win. This is the first time in over 60 years. So this is a massive deal. It's not, you, you can, even if you kind of watch racing on the sidelines, you've heard of fines, you've heard of penalties, but they took the win away. That's a big deal. I don't know how it affects, you know, every sponsor would be different, every relationship's different, but we, it is a massive deal to take a win away. And, and I hope that all the teams understand how big it is because we don't need this. This is not good for the sport. When you sit in the seat and you watch a race and yeah. you watch Drive the Checkered Flag, you should know who the winner is. You should have a yeah. really good idea who the winner is. This yeah. is not good for anybody. No, and, nobody. And listen, but
0: I'm going to put that pressure on it's, the, it's an industry. Like, I, I, I'm sorry. It was Joe Gibbs this time. Joe Gibbs Racing in two cars. But I, I believe that this is not a, a single cultural thing. Petty GMS had an issue this weekend, right? It's the culture of where the sport came from. Yes. The, the business model has shifted. The entertainment model has shifted. The fan base has shifted. The expectation of technology. When I look up something on my phone, I, that's fact. I'm moving on. I shouldn't have to revisit it. So I, I believe it's an industry-wide... I'm not hanging this at the feet of NASCAR. This is... Team owners, team principals, crew chiefs, NASCAR, it's truly a global thing. They have to work together. There's no one simple answer. A NASCAR doesn't want to. De- I can assure no. you, they were sitting in that truck going, We really are going to have no. to disqualify no, these
4: I guys. Mean, yes. Like, we really don't want to do this. To the point, I question if the penalty is big enough. Yeah. Yeah. We had this conversation. Like, because- should, should the penalty be a DQ? And then also, for the people that are making the decisions, whoever that is, what should it mean to them? because yeah. you not just put the integrity of your team it's the integrity of the whole sport and i'm 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 listen it's a culture thing you're 100% right yeah. this yeah. and the, you made the point a little while ago like this was not this was a blip on the radar last year this we wouldn't even be talking about this last year so it's a culture change and it's not that somebody made the decisions a bad guy it's not that at all no. it's just that this is a different time yeah. and it has to be treated as such and and yeah, I mean, you know, does should the penalty even be better, bigger yeah. to prevent it from happening? Well, the crew
1: chief did know about what this was. Somebody talked about the drivers didn't know this happened. The crew chief surely well, knew. Well,
4: it. but here's what I'm gonna say about that. Maybe not. In today's world, in today's world with divisions within companies, yeah. engineering, yeah, aero, true. all these yeah. things, potentially I'm not the crew to say chief. Who? But right, somebody. He it was did. there somebody. for a reason. Somebody, somebody, somebody did. All
0: right, Layden, you're on. Motor Mouse. Zayden.
2: Uh hello. This is my hey. first time here, guys. Yeah, I got a question about Kyle Bush and some of the factors that the D Q affect to him. Will he, um, lose his stage one for this? Because I know that playoff one is really important since he doesn't win stages often.
0: Zayden, that is a wonderful question. I appreciate you calling in. appreciate you watching the show. That is exactly the point. That is a great question. The disqualification means you weren't there. It doesn't matter. (laughs) You were not even in the race. So not only does it affect Kyle Busch, but old Ross Chastain, who finished second to him, He's gonna get that playoff point. It's gonna be reawarded. Like he wasn't even he turned into a ghost in that mm-hmm. entire stage. So Zayn, appreciate That's the call. Question. Great question. Yeah, that playoff point, we circle back to this race could be a big yeah. difference. When we get into the Never playoffs. Know. But listen, more talk about penalties, maybe a little more tie gives. Most importantly, some more callers. Call in. Let's talk about Pocono cup racing. All right, we're going to go some rapid-fire calls, but there's so much to talk about when you look at this week in motorsports, right? We have Mike Joy on the download. We have a little NRX, little Nitro RX racing, IndyCar Xfinity, and NASCAR Cup Series from Indy. Before we take the phone calls, real quick, we're all going to be there. Indianapolis, the place is unbelievable. How great is it going to be to see Xfinity, IndyCar, and Cup? two days full of racing
1: from the road course. Yeah, it's just fascinating uh, to, to see the difference in speed when you put the yeah. IndyCar, when they're on the same track exactly, it's yeah. like, oh my gosh. I mean, you know, when we were running the, the Brickyard and you go see an IndyCar run yeah, around yeah. there, Jeff, and the stock cars that we drove, I'm no comparison. Not saying it's, was any more difficult what we did, right. but the speed difference is that. And it's the same way on that road course. So just an incredible weekend. And I love watching the stars respect the stars. Oh, the biggest yeah, fans yes. will be the other drivers. All right,
0: let's hit the phones. We're going to go through as many as we can here. Drew,
3: go ahead. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me on. Uh, real quick, at this point in the season, is Chase Elliott's regular season points lead insurmountable?
0: All right, Jeff, I'm going to give that one to you. <laughs> Chase Elliott, he's gaining points. Um, he has over 100 points for the regular season champ. Five races left. Anyone catching him? Uh, no, no one's catching any. Yes, <laughs> it's insurmountable. All right, I
1: like it. Simple enough there.
0: All right, Justin, go ahead.
1: Well, it's
3: not practical for a NASCAR to inspect every car. If, uh, if you have a 4 four-car team, and two of the cars get hit with something, and playoff points are so important right now, wouldn't it be important for a NASCAR to possibly look at the other two Joe Gibbs cars because that could deeply hit affect Kevin Harvard, Kevin Harvick, getting into the playoffs with true legs. All
0: right, great question. Thank you for calling in, Justin. Uh, DJ, I think the real simple fact is, all right, we know the 11 and the 18 were caught, and while we know the 20 wasn't in the top five, didn't go, you know, it all affects the playoffs. I think that's a legitimate question. I think you kind of have to let the chips fall where they are. Do you have a differing opinion?
1: No, I don't on that. I mean, it's so difficult. I mean, it's, it's, it's almost impossible. I mean, you know, you've had the, the teams there for a certain amount of time. They have to get back on the road. You know, it's not like that it's an hour down the road or anything like that. So I, I think it's, you know when the, when everything's done and said you, you have to move forward i think there is a number that needs to be put on there that we're going to keep close by you can go ahead and load your stuff up if i'm that load your stuff up but you sit right here that until we get through with yeah. inspecting the winner and the second place till we get to where we know we have a winner and then we're not going any further back well nascar
0: has shown they've been flexible to make changes we'll see if it changes this weekend nick go ahead
4: Hey, thanks for taking my call. Question for you guys. Was the penalty that JGR was assessed enough based on the infraction? We saw RFK earlier this year. They got the book thrown at them for what they did. Was it enough for what they penalized JGR for?
0: All right, so I'm going to start with this one. Great question, Nick. All right, let's start with what they got penalized. I think it's different from the 11 to the 18 because when you win a race, it's more than just prize money. There's things that enact in your sponsorship, and your manufacturers. There's a lot of things that total that, that bucket of money up that you get. So it was financially was a big hit. It's impossible to say the number, but I am confident it's well more than what anyone has paid in a fine yet. Uh, so the question then becomes points because I don't know exactly how many ordered but it, or won, but it wasn't 100 points. It was what RFK lost. So we're a little split. Not big enough, big enough with the DQ. I think this comes down for me what is the value of DQ next to your name in the record books?
4: Yeah, it, you know, it's, it's a great question, and it's something that will be continue to be debated. I mean, honestly, um, yeah, it's a great question. And listen, there's no straight answer for it, to be blunt about it. There's a lot of opinions about it, but I do agree with, with, with Steve, and I agree with what DJ was saying. This penalty to Gibbs is much bigger than people are recognizing. And, and, and you know, we know the insides of this sport, and, and it's, this was not an inexpensive penalty at all. This was a massive penalty in regard to money.
0: I'm not sure we're going to know until I'm, time. Time may tell whether it was the right size.
1: Yeah, it may. Yeah, I, I don't know. You know, it, what what do you do? I mean, you, you talk about the penalty bigger for the, the winner, which was Denny Hamlin, versus you know what it was for Kyle Busch, who finished second there. Um, yeah, maybe monetarily, certainly uh, they, they, they differ uh, in in that respect. It, it's just. Uh, it's a tough situation, yeah. but but when you dis when you send a crew chief home four weeks for a tire changer not doing his job, then you have to wonder if somewhere along the way somebody else didn't need to, to get a penalty in this. Yeah, it could be a whole other show just discussing yeah. that. William, for you're sure. on.
2: Hey, guys. Uh, how you all doing today, by the way?
0: Great time, really? William. Great time.
2: Uh, so my question for you guys is within the next five weeks, Steve, especially – this goes towards you. Do you think Kevin Harvick possibly has a chance of making the playoffs if any more guys get DQ'd? Huh, well, I'm hoping
0: we don't <laughs> see any more DQ's. Kevin Harvick's uh, chance of making the playoffs. I hated to see him get in that accident at Pocono because he's finally where he needs to be a little bit closer to the front to make something happen. I think it's an uphill battle for Kevin Harvick. We have a couple road courses coming up. We, uh, You know, those haven't been his best races statistically. But... You know, he's too good. He's a champ. He could win at any time, but the numbers aren't lying. He's over 60 races. It's like a 64, 65 race winless streak. It's becoming a bigger uphill task. I do believe it's must win, though.
1: Points aren't going to help this man at this point. He's going to have to win. Yeah. Where does that come? That's the the thing, because this... You know, speed hasn't been the Ford's friend for the most part. Even though he did a great job of getting up there and running well yesterday, till that accident. Seven topics. I think we got through them all. There was a lot going we got
0: on. Them all? I oh, can. Gosh. Well, I can list the stuff. I mean, we didn't even talk about the Chicago street race. I mean,
4: it was the biggest announcement in
0: NASCAR history.
4: We went to Pocono, and it had to get shifted off the front burner. When we got done with the race on Sunday, I thought, wow, we're going to have a lot to talk about on Motor Mouse. And then, about an hour later, I'm like, we're going to have a lot more to talk about on Motor Mouse. They kept adding and adding.
0: Well, I can tell you, we didn't even get it all covered here. Come back on Wednesday. Call in NASCAR Motor Mouse. Dale Jr. Download on Thursday. Tune in.